This is the Rise of the Young Podcast, bringing you insights from the most innovative entrepreneurs and influencers of this era. Hosted by 17-year-old entrepreneur, author, public speaker, and branding expert, Casey Adams. Now, let's get right into the show. What's going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome to the Rise of the Young Podcast. Today, episode 52, we have my good friend Stephen Lau with us today. And we're going to be talking about a lot of things. But first off, Stephen, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. So, I mean, dude, I know that we've been connected for the last couple of months now, ever since we met in Vegas. But for the people that may not know who you are and what you do or kind of how you all started, I'd love to just kind of let you break down where you're from and how you got into what you're doing now. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, transferred to Stanford after a year going to college there, and then I dropped out of Stanford about a year and a half ago. Um, I got into credit because my dad wouldn't uh, really like teach me about credit, so I dropped out, went and did my startup, and I kind of learned credit along the way because you know it's such an important skill to have. And, you know, one thing led to another. I realized they could game the travel game with like credit cards. I started traveling the world for free, private jets, Ritz Carlton's, um, all the while making some money too. So now I have 220 credit cards. And I have $3.2 million in lines of credit. That's insane, man. Literally, cause I met you from, I know that you've been um, doing a lot of stuff with Ty Lopez now. That's how I figured out who you are. I'm sure a lot of people have yep. seen you on there as well, man. But kind of before we get into everything deep with credit, like when did you kind of start? With credit, because I know the question for myself is like, do you have to be 18 to start building your credit? Yeah. So like what I wish I knew when I was like 17 or 16 uh, is that you can start building credit like even before you turn 18. The only reason like most people think you have to turn 18 to do credit is because you have to legally sign a contract that binds that account to yours. But you can get added as an authorized user. I told you that, Casey, like just ask your parents, ask, you know, somebody that's 18 and above with good credit and they can add you as an authorized user and you'll inherit all that credit. So how I got started you know, I was asking my dad, yo, give me a credit card. And, you know, I want to be cool. I want to flex this credit card to all my friends. I don't want that debit card life. And <laughs> my dad said, no, you can't handle it. And I've always been a rebel. So I just went out and did my own research. I applied for my first credit card. I realized that there was a sign up bonus. And, you know, one thing led to another. Started traveling the world for free. Okay. Okay. I see. So, so like you said, so I'm 17 now. If I wanted to start building my credit and, but my parents have bad credit, do you, yeah. is that something you do or don't do? You don't want them to add you on because you'll inherit all their bad payments and they're like, you know, like their bad payment history, their utilization. So, you know, like hell, I could add you as an authorized user to me and you'll inherit like $3.2 million lines of credit, like in your name. (laughs) So like it won't hold as much weight, but it'll definitely give you a foot in the door. So like I know people like in my like little credit community, I know people that add their two-year-old daughters as like their onto like their credit report and some people like actually add their dogs and cats so i don't know how that works like i don't think there's any benefit to that but you know some some dogs have credit scores okay for sure man so quick question before we like i said get into deepness of it so i have a lot of young people that follow me some maybe 13 15 17 to 25 so first off for the people that may not even know what credit is what's like this the general description so the people that may not know exactly what you're talking about yep so traditionally, you know, like when you use a debit card, maybe you're like 13, 15 watching this, a debit card is basically tied directly to your bank account, right? So if you have $1,000 in your bank account, you can you basically pull money from that bank account every time you swipe your debit card. Uh, what a credit card is, is that you're borrowing money from the bank. So for example, you have $1,000 in your bank account, 
and say you have $5,000 lines of credit, you can spend up to $5,000, but you just eventually have to pay it back. Um, there's some things that, you know, uh, that people aren't really aware of is that spending your line of credit, you eventually always have to pay it back. So just because you have $5,000 line of credit doesn't mean you can just spend $5,000. Just treat it as if you only had $1,000 in your bank account and you'll never have to worry about owing money. Um, but the trick, what, 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 um, what the catch is for borrowing money is that if you don't pay off all of it all at once, you get something called interest and interest tax on sometimes it's 20%. That's really high for a credit card. So, you know, you maybe owe a thousand dollars this month. Well now 20% interest. Now you owe $1,200 next month. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude, that's, that's the real stuff. So regarding credit. So you said, what age did you kind of like start? Were you 18? I started the day I turned 18. So my birthday's in June, like literally two, three days after my birthday, I started applying for it. And I remember the first two applications I submitted, I got denied. So don't feel discouraged. Um, some cards out there are just really hard cards to get, but that should be all the more motivation for you to go get it. Um, you know, I'm 20 now and most people don't even know what a black card is, but I have a black card. It took me a year to get to it. I'm not saying that all of you guys can go out and just like follow my steps and get it. But if you have enough persistency to it, it's, you know, it's closer than you think to get one. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was, I was about to bring up for everyone that doesn't know. So you're 20 now, you started two years ago and yeah. then so you said you have over 220 credit cards to your name. Yep. yep. So, dude, like, here's my thing. Cause I know like we've been connected now, but like, when you first hear that, like coming from like no one that's really entrepreneurial in my family that has like the whiz about credit, like that just sounds insane. So like, number one, like having over 200 credit cards, like what's the value in it? And just like for the people that just like can't even fathom having 200 credit cards, like what's the value in it for that question? Yep. So like having 220 credit cards, I actually only use about four or five of them. I don't use them actively. Some of the credit cards aren't even in, uh, in my personal name. They're in my business's name. And you sometimes want that. Uh, because the more credit cards you have in your name, it kind of hurts you as well. But if you keep in your business name, it removes that liability aspect, which helps your credit score. Okay. Um, so the benefits of having 220 credit cards, um, there's really no benefit in having that many. That's like just to start off. But the reason I have that many is because I get sign-up bonuses. Like you see those offers in the mail, earn 50,000 points, earn $1,000 cash back or whatever, after spending X amount, spend $500 and you get all this. So I did something called manufactured spending, which is spending money that you actually, um, you buy cash equivalents, like buy, buy gift cards and then use that gift card to pay off the credit card balance that you owe. So technically you never actually spent any money. You just bought money and then took that money and paid like the credit card back and you earn the sign up bonuses and you wow. pocket 50,000 points or 100,000 points and you travel the world for free with it. First class, whatever you want to do. Um, you know, they always say like spend money, to uh, for experiences but here you're spending money for experiences and then you're not actually spending money at all because you're that's just insane so yeah, hold on so let, let's so for people that might not have got that so you have four or five that you use and you get like the um prepaid credit cards or debit cards correct mm -hmm. from the store like grocery yeah. stores uh malls they always sell it they're like visa gift cards yep. buy those gift cards and there's different like tricks that you do because they're the games always change it's like cat and mouse game they're always shutting stuff down but then new opportunities open up and you basically buy those cash equivalents, meet the sign-up bonus. So like it's like spend $4,000 and you get this. And they're usually expecting you to spend $4,000 on shit you don't need. Yeah. And then you realize that, oh, crap, I owe $4,000. Now I have to pay interest. That's how they get you. Yeah. But see, you're smarter than that. All of you guys are smarter than that because you're not going to do it. You're going to spend $4,000 on exact cash equivalents and take that $4,000 and pay it right back.
Oh, wait. So hold on. Just so, cause I, this is new to me as well. So you, you have a credit card. Let's say you have a $4,000 credit limit. You buy those debit card gift cards that has the qua- cash equivalents just to then pay the, that $4,000 back with the cash equivalents yep. cards. But you meet the signup bonus while doing that. And then you pocket the $50,000 cash or whatever. And you just repeat that over and over and over. Okay. So, so pretty much like the, um, cause I saw recently on your story, like it was like the $25, the $50, like, Cash gift cards, correct? Oh, yeah, those are all five hundred dollar gift cards. Each okay. one is five hundred dollar gift card. Yep. I, I took a picture on my snap. Yeah. Uh I had like over two hundred thousand dollars worth of gift cards on my bed. Okay, so pretty much so this um these credit cards are like so they're are they debit cards or credit cards the ones you're buying that are cash? They are gift cards. They're okay. visa cards, they're prepaid okay. cards. So you're buying these cards and then you use the cash equivalents in those cards to pay back the credit card that you owe now with money. And then when you do that, each like five hundred dollar card that you sign up with it, you get points for that. So each no the five hundred dollar card you pay off the uh, the credit card balance on the original card. So for example, you had card A, right? You take card A and then um, say it's like you have to spend four thousand dollars in order to get your bonus of a thousand like or a hundred thousand like travel points, right? So you take that and you go buy eight five hundred dollar gift cards, right? So that equates to four thousand yeah. dollars. And then you take those eight gift cards and you pay off card a the first credit card yeah. so now your balance was negative four thousand now it's back down to zero but in that process you hit that requirement of spending four thousand dollars and then you it's all good and then you get those points yep dude that's a that's a trip because that's this is all new to me for everyone listening as well so this is definitely benefiting me as well as the people listening so pretty yep. much when you first started is that the process that you went through or was that something that you kind of gained knowledge from over the last two years when i first started all i wanted was a credit card it was the most it was the coolest experience to see a card come in the mail it has your name on it and that's yours and that's a really cool feeling and yeah. so like at first that was all i needed it's like a it's like a high you have to keep like getting higher and higher and higher so like I, you know i got this like little discover it like student credit card i was like oh this is so cool and then I'm like, you know what? I want that feeling again. I'm going to get a better card. I want to show off to my friends or whatever. And then eventually, like, so I'm here now. I have this uh, Centurion card right here. This is, like, the coveted black card that everyone, like, is always, like, talking about. The and one that... Titanium. Like, you can drop it and it makes the noise. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know if you can see it, but that's the sound it makes, like, when, when you drop it. Um, but, you know, like, I, I just kept going higher and higher. And you just kept keep setting goals for yourself. And the thing is, is that I made it a hobby. And credit is honestly a really good thing to make your hobby because you're going to need it for the rest of your life, whether you're doing, you know, just like trying to buy like a small like item at a grocery store or if you're trying to do like a hundred million dollar real estate deal, you're going to at one point you're going to need your credit and you're also going to build up your business credit doing it as well. Okay, because um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up real estate because I, I went to a, a fortune builders event when I was like 15 and they were talking about like good credit and bad credit. So obviously some people like though getting a credit card debt. That's the bad way. Like when it comes to like parents that have bad credit, they don't really get it. So when it comes to your definition of good credit versus bad credit, how do you define them? So good credit is basically like you have something called a FICO score, right? And a FICO score is what like it's between 300 all the way up to 850. And so 850 is a perfect credit score, but that's unrealistic. Like 850 takes 10 years to build. And I'm not exaggerating. It will take you 10 years to build an 850 credit score. I would say anything in the seven, in the mid 700 range and up is good. And then anything, you know, like below 600 is bad. And if you're anywhere in between that, like area that's not good or bad, that's probably where you're around starting out. And that's where you want to uh, start growing. 
Okay, I see. So yeah, so you brought up black card. And like I said, this is all sort of new to me as well. So what exactly is a black card and what makes it hard to reach for everyone listening? So a black card, you have to spend $250,000 annually. like, And that's on American Express alone. Not just total, but you have to spend $250,000 just on American Express. Okay. Um, so like, you go to your score, you always have to swipe with American Express. And then you get an invite in the mail that's like a really nice like pamphlet. It's like hard. It's like it's it's high quality, and it says like, "Hey, Mr. Lau, we want to invite you to the Centurion uh, card." And that's what it's actually called. It's not called the black card. It's called the Centurion card. Okay. And with this card, oh my god! I mean, there's no credit limit to it. So like, I say I have a 3.2 million credit limit, but I could go out and buy a hundred million dollar house with that card. And right. Yeah. So like, it's also building that good enough trust with American Express to know that like you know you're. They're, you're not going to screw American Express over. But people have done that. People go and buy houses. People buy whatever with that card. And okay. that card has no credit limit. You can okay. spend as much as you want on there. That's insane. So with that, like so having this card, you can spend whatever amount you want with it. But like you said at the beginning, you have to eventually pay that back, right? Yep. Okay. So uh, going out and spending a $100 million house or whatever, that's not the best. You actually have to pay it back, yeah, or else yeah. you're going to go bankrupt. And so the thing is, is the – there's one of the tips I always tell people is like spend however much money you have in your bank. I don't care if you have a $5 million credit line or a $50 credit line. If you have $50 in your, um, in your bank account, that's how much you're spending. Now, as you get on to like more advanced business techniques, um, you know, like if you're investing in real estate or, um, Ty talks about like, you know, he has to get a 45 day ROI return on investments. Then you can start accumulating smart debt because then you can say like, all right, I'm going to spend $300,000 here, but I know that you know, in 45 days, I'm going to get $450,000 back. Yeah. So you're spending smart money and you're accumulating smart debt, right? If you go out and buy you know, some Gucci flip-flops and a Louis Vuitton bag, that bag's not going to be worth as much like, and you're not going to be able to get your money back. It doesn't provide an ROI. So like, for general purposes, like when you're starting out, just spend however much money you have in your bank, and that's how much you're going to spend too. As you get more advanced, then you can start saying like, all right, cool. I'll go into red for like negative 20,000, but I know I'm going to bounce back and like make $30,000 off this deal. Okay. And that's like saying if you buy a house for 20 grand, but you know it's going to appreciate and be 30. So you can spend, you can swipe your card and then you can pay back the 20 and have the 10 within 45 days, like you were saying. Because you know what what you're acquiring is going to grow eventually to something that's going to be worth more than what you just went in debt on. So people say that you need money to make money, right? So who has money? The bank. So you better build a damn good relationship with the bank in order to, uh, and that's where credit is. Credit is saying that like, this is how good your relationship with the banks are. I know even for me, like, like I said, it's all new to me. I don't have a credit card yet. That's definitely something that I definitely want to talk to you about on a private note. But yeah, man. So for, for everyone, for everyone listening, I know that you said you have four to five that you use. Number one, like what are the different benefits for different credit cards? And do you recommend a certain one just to like give some people some like techniques or some applicable stuff? And this is like, this gets you gold status and then you can start doing status matching. So I have a couple of videos out with Ty right now, but status matching is like some cards give you gold status or diamond status with whatever hotel chain. And then you can go from one hotel chain and email a different hotel chain and say like, hey, I'm a diamond status at this hotel. Can you give me the same status? And they'll match you because they want your business. Okay. And so like, you know, through one or two credit cards, like this is the Ritz Carlton credit card. This is actually the heaviest credit card there is. It's heavier than the black card. <laughs> like, you can hear that. that. That's a heavy card. But um, that's one of the cards I keep. Um, I keep a business card. So I use the Chase Inc. Preferred. So if you're like, you know, 
learning about social media and social media advertising, the Chase Inc. Preferred gets you a higher return um, and higher point back when you spend on social media ads. So it's just doing your uh, due diligence and due research on um, all the cards you're applying for. Everyone has different needs, right? Like there's some cards out there that um, have like 5% back on gas, but I don't spend that much on gas, so I don't really keep it in my wallet. Yeah. Um, there's also, you know, cards that like have high returns on going to office stores, like Office Depot and stuff. And I go there a lot because I send my secretary and she goes and like runs errands there. I want her to be putting my business spend on that card so I get the most cash back when we buy stuff from Office Depot. That's sick, man. So bringing up travel, I know like you said at the beginning of this, which people are not familiar with, it's like you get to travel private jet free wherever when it comes to the points that you accumulate. So I know that we talked a lot about just like credit itself, but like the travel aspect of it, I'd love for you to like kind of touch on that. I know we talked about the points and that's how you accumulate the points, but I'd love for you to just kind of briefly touch on um, just like how do you travel for free with credit? Right, right. So once you meet those sign-up bonuses and you buy those gift cards or you meet them organically and you actually spend $4,000 and you get those points, those points are, beca- are like our miles. They can be used as hotel points. They can be used in a variety of different ways. And you use those points and you go book uh, like a hotel room and then you go book a flight and with those points and then plus the status, you get upgrades. So you could book like, you know, the cheapest seat or the cheapest car, like, with me with Hertz, I book a Corolla every time. But if you watch me on my Snapchat or my Instagram, um, you know, I always end up driving a Mercedes or a Range Rover or something. Yeah. So if you're not following me, my uh, Snapchat is Stephen Lau, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-I-A-O. My Instagram is Step L-I-A-O-S-T-E-P. And like, you'll see, like, I'll book stuff for like $9 a day for a Toyota Corolla or I'll book like a hotel room for like $80 and then up, get upgraded to a $5,000 suite or I'll, you know, book an entire flight for free and I'll pay taxes for like $4 and then get upgraded to first class. And then how I got to private jets, um, there's a deal that they said, if you had a million miles or more, you can match and then we'll give you a private jet membership. And so that's what I did. I had a million miles in Delta and they matched me to, uh, JetSmart matched me for three months as a trial. And then they said, yeah, if you refer a couple of friends, so I did, I referred a couple of friends and now I have like a two year membership with JetSmarter. Fly all free. Yep. And then it's just PJ from now on. That is insane, man. That that's a hack, bro. I, like, and I I just feel like so many people just there's tricks, you know. It's like talking to you on this. It's like people just don't get the tricks. So regarding the travel, so you said you had a million miles on Delta, and you were you built that up within two years. Yep, not even a, not even two years. It's like less than a year. Okay, that's what's up. So yep. when it comes to like the free with JetSmarter now, so they matched you and like you didn't pay a dime out of your pocket to then get that membership, and then for each flight, that's free due to the points. Yep. It's well, no, it's it's free because of the JetSmart membership. The membership yeah, usually yeah. is like a fifty thousand dollar a year membership, and they gave it to me for free just because they want my business. And you know, I they gave it to me for free just because of all the miles I've got. And they're thinking that they give me the membership for free because I spent a lot of money with uh, with Delta, and that's how I got the miles. But no, I didn't spend any money with Delta. I got all the miles from credit cards. That's insane, man. That's a that's a hack. So when it comes to like, cause I, I always, when I'm flying out to LA or whatever it may be, people, they like, they're like talking on the mic, like sign up for this certain travel card and get 50,000 points. Do you have like certain like American airlines travel cards or is that the Delta card that you're talking about? Um, so there's Delta credit cards. There's four Delta credit cards through American express and you can get a sign up bonus on each of those ones. And they all have benefits. They get you into the Delta lounges or actually, no, I take that back. There's six Delta cards. There's uh there's the two, there's Delta gold for personal Delta gold for business. 
platinum for uh, personal platinum for business. And then there's reserve for personal reserve for business. Um, and then there's uh, for like, for example, if you're flying United, you go to chase. If you're flying American, you go to city. Um, so each bank has like a partnership with one of the major airlines. Wow. Okay. I did not know that. That's super cool. So when it comes to, um, I know that when it comes to Ty, you've been doing a lot with him and I'm sure that's got you a lot of credibility and followers from just doing a lot of stuff with him. So when it comes to that, when it comes to the credit side of things, but now we met on social media, I know we've connected in person now. How did you really get involved with the right people from social media? Because I know a lot of people that I follow and follow me, it's all about networking. Like me and you were networking, we networked in Vegas. So how were you able to transition and like start growing your network on social social media and partnering with Ty and all that sort of stuff? I'll tell you like, so I don't like going to networking events for the sake of networking. And uh, this is something you'll hear me. If you're ever with me in person, I'm like pretty passionate about this. I don't believe in networking events. Like if you go to a networking event that's deemed a networking event, it's like going to a bar and it's that one dude that hits on a hundred different girls, right? You can smell disparity from a mile away, right? The one guy that's like going to everybody, hey, invest in me, buy my company, you know, buy my shit. Like nobody's there. Like people, the people that are there are well off, are already well off and don't give a crap. And then the people that are there to try and find people think that everyone gives a crap, but nobody gives a crap. So how I met with Ty, like I would go, I strategically network, right? And that's why I go to private jets. That's why I fly first class. You'll be amazed when you start flying first class instead of economy or when you start going to Ritz-Carlton's instead of Motel 6, you'll meet a lot more people at Ritz-Carlton that are more beneficial to your network than like sitting in Motel 6. Like it's just being around the right crowd, right? Even if you fake it till you make it, even if you can't afford Ritz-Carlton's yet, even if you can't afford private jets yet, go to where these people hang out. And because that's where you catch them in their like, you know, not as like tense state. Because if I'm going to a networking event and somebody comes up to me, I'm already making assumptions about you long before you even come and talk to me, right? But if I'm just sitting there golfing or if I'm sitting there, you know, sipping a coffee in the Ritz-Carlton lounge, I'm not like, you know, I don't have my guard up. So if you come and sit down, I'm just going to, I'm not making assumptions about it. I was like, okay, cool. Hey, what's up? Like, and then you'll talk. So how I met with Ty, I went to one of his Santa Monica conferences and I got into the diamond lounge and that like I got, I paid like the upcharge and everything. I got into the diamond lounge and that's where I caught Ty. I didn't catch Ty in the general networking area. I caught Ty in like exclusive areas. Um, and that's where the value of like, you know, being in a close, like yeah working circle is like that's where you're going to meet the right people that's what's up man yeah it's funny that you bring that up because i know um ricky aranda he does a lot of private jets and like he'll meet like nfl stars like just like yep. the craziest people and that's something i i need to definitely hop on that boat because I, I don't tr- i don't fly private or anything like that yet but like i just see like like you're saying the networking that can come from it like i'm definitely interested to see like who i can meet or what value i can get from it but i know people like you like you've experienced it and it's definitely the way to go Yep. I mean, I've raised six, seven figures. I also have a social media startup. That's where I put majority of my focus. It's not making any money right now, but that's where I put majority of my focus because I'm passionate about it. And I've raised six, seven figures. And a lot of these people you meet, not from, you know, going to networking events, every yeah. single person that's on my investment board, all of them are people I met through, you know, going on private jet, going to a golf place. I, I don't even know how to golf, but I'll go hang out at a golf club oh, yeah. just to meet people. Right. And so it's when you go to a bar, the girls there are already like they have their guards up, right? Unless if you are the most attractive, sexy guy, like you walk in there, like the chances are against you. The odds yeah. are against you, right? And especially the girls are watching. They will see you. You've already hit on 98 other girls and you're just making me number 99, right? Yeah. So 
they're they're not like you know going to be as open as you know if you meet them in like you know like scrapbooking club or whatever right yeah, if you put sure. them in their natural place they're gonna be like okay cool my guard isn't up let's talk right oh you like scrapbooking too let's talk right then that, that's yeah. how i see networking right you don't i don't go to networking events to network i go to networking events just to hang out and if i really want to network i go to places that aren't networking events dude that's some fire bro i, I like the analogy of girls at a bar that's so true yeah. <laughs> right yeah it's like you want to catch people off guard. And when people are at bars and people are at like networking events, their guards are up. My guard is up. When I'm at an event, like anybody that comes up to me, I always think like, okay, what's your real motive for coming to talk to me? Do you want money from me? Do you want like, what What do you want from me? Right. Versus, Hey, like, I just want to talk to you one-on-one -on -one as a person rather than, you know, on, on equal grounds, not like as if I'm better than you or you're better than me or whatever. I like that for sure, man. That's dope. So with your startup, is that something you want to share publicly or can we talk about that? Or is that more low key right yeah, now? So my, no, no, my startup, it's called moves Inc. Uh, you can follow the Instagram. It's at real moves app, R E A L M O V E S A P P. So if you want, so my, so what the social media is like, if you look at all the social media right now, there's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and all of them are individual focused. So if you're not an influencer, if you're not Casey Adams with 170 some thousand Instagram followers, you're just a normal person with a thousand Instagram followers or a thousand Facebook friends. And say you post something about, say you're really into drawing or you're into art and you post something on Facebook and you have your grandma following you, you have your coworkers following you, you have your friends following you, you have everybody who's anybody following you. And it's not going to be 100% relevant. So yeah. what my startup is doing is like, look at the fastest way to submit content. That's Snapchat. What's the best way to curate content? That's Reddit. It's a new site right now, but I can go on Reddit right now and go to r slash uh, like Fortnite or r slash golfing and find 380,000 other people that share the same interests as me. And they do it as like through community upvotes, upvoting and downloading. That's how they find like the best content. But it's called Reddit because it's heavy on text. So what my startup is doing, we're taking Snapchat, fast content submission, because it's the fastest way to take a picture. And rather than sharing with your friends, you're sharing with communities, and we create micro-influencers that way. So we were doing about 40 million daily impressions uh, through wow. Snapchat. We built a proof of concept on Snapchat um, in the college community. So we were in 76 different colleges. And just on Snapchat alone, in eight months, we built 40 million daily daily impressions. Wow, man. That's some next level. I didn't, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't even know really about it, but I know that um, I've, I've heard about it in conversations, but I didn't really know about it, man. So that's that's some cool stuff. So how long? People know me as a credit person, but that's like, that's my actual main main thing. I don't really talk about it because okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in my, like, as Gary Vee says, like, you know, I'm down and down yeah. low. I'm hustling. I'm not like, you know, bragging about it. I'm just hustling and grinding until we do make it. And then I do talk about it. So like for credit, I hustled and grinded for on credit for a year and didn't say anything until a year later. And now, and then when Ty talked about it, now I'm talking about it. Yeah. yeah dude, that's some real stuff. So with the real moves app, how long of the, how long of the process are you into it or is it new? So we are a year in. So like the mansion I'm living in right now is actually like under my company for moves. So okay. So like I live in Vegas. This is my uh mansion. If you're ever in Vegas, hit me up. Um, come check it out. I'm actually yeah, hosting. A Casey, you're welcome to come. I want you to come speak there too. So um, yeah, it's this is the the reason that this mansion is here is because of moves. That's what's up, man. That's some that's some cool stuff, man. So moves app is it? You can get it on the um, iOS App Store right now, or what? You can get it on the App Store right now. For sure. Yeah. And for everyone listening, all the social medias, all the links to everything that would definitely be down in the description. So you won't have to worry about getting all the information on that. But yeah, man, a few more questions before we let you go, man. So regarding just entrepreneurship in general, definitely something I want to talk to you about. I know you're young, you're 20. I have a lot of young people that follow me 
And obviously you've been able to build your credit or build a company or build the things you've been able to get from at your age so far. Super, super interesting to me. But what's been some of like the core fundamentals that you try to like not knock down on a daily basis? Like, do you have any habits that you've really attributed to things that you've got or what sort of the things that you think have helped you the most? So a lot of people like really ask me like, Oh, how do you get money? How do you get rich? Or how do you live the lifestyle? And my biggest thing is like, chase whatever idea or whatever thing you're passionate about. You have to be passionate about something. And then once you're passionate about something, you can make it into a career or make it into your job. And when you make it into your job, you'll get the money. But if you chase the money first, you'll always lose. And so like my thing every day is like, I wake up and I do something that I love to do because I don't feel like I'm working. I go downstairs, I work with my team, I build my social media startup. And I've never in a day felt like, you know, I need to get paid or anything, right? The quicker you disassociate yourself from money and work and you just focus on, you know, this isn't work. This is what I love to do. Even if I wasn't getting paid, I'll still wake up and do it. That's the kind of mentality I set for myself. And I did it. Like I dropped out of school. I dropped out of Stanford. I had a, I had a $180,000 a year job offer from Apple. Wow. Um, I graduated from Stanford and I never took it. Um, it was a huge risk. And I just thought about, look, I don't want to be an Alexa or a Siri. And what I mean by that is, you know, they teach you things that they regurgitate in class, right? Te- they teach you chemistry, even oh though you they teach you physics. Yet, like, when's the last time you like talked to a billionaire that's talking about physics? No, they like it's it's all about real world, right? The school system teaches you to work for somebody else, and if you want to work for somebody else, then do it. But if you don't, then you know you gotta change your goals. Rather than digging yourself into eighty five thousand dollars in debt before you even step out into the real world, start at zero. At least start at the finish line. Don't take fifteen steps back and then run at the finish line. Run at the starting line, right? That's the so, truth, man. So, so you yeah. dropped out of college at what year? I dropped out of college my second uh, end of my third semester. So, like, I went a year and then a third semester, and then I dropped out. That's what's up. And what was like? Because I know I also I talked to a lot of people that like follow me and like they're in college, they're thinking about dropping out. What was that process like for you? Was it a hard decision? And what kind of like led you to that point of dropping out? This is what you do, right? Don't tell your parents you're dropping out. That's, <laughs> that's going to screw you over in your relationship. Tell your parents you're taking a semester off and just take a semester off to find yourself or whatever. Tell them whatever to calm them down. If you tell them you're dropping out, that's a bad like connotation to you. You're like, oh my God, my child's going to do drugs and like yeah. get, get screwed over or whatever. Tell them you're taking a semester off. You know, school's been a little hard, but I want to be able to make the right decision for myself. Uh, you know, it goes a long way and your parents will be a little more understanding. Dude, that, dude, that's a good, I like that a lot. Cause even for me, man, like I'm taking a gap year according to, I tell my parents, but like, I'm not going to college, you know, but that, I like that. That's, I feel like a lot of people don't really get to hear that a lot. And like people are going into college as an undecided major. I think that's the biggest like waste of time. So I have more respect for the people that like are undecided than the people that are decided majors, because some people go on year three. And, you know, they realize that they don't want to be a mechanical engineer. They want to be an artist or a musician. Yeah. Royally screwed over because you're $74,000 in debt and you're not even going to get a job that you want to do. Better yet, just to start off from, you know, the starting line at zero than digging yourself $85,000 in debt, screwing over your credit and not even knowing what you want to do. Another thing is, like, I, I view like life, like let's just assume like, I think average is, this isn't the correct number, but just for the sake of it, 88 years in a normal person's life, right? You live up till around 88. So that breaks into four quarters, 22, 44, 66, 88, and then you're dead. So zero to 22 is all about building your foundation. That's all about you growing yourself and you becoming a better you and you getting ready to face life. 
And then, you know, 22 is usually when people are finishing college and whatever. And then 22 to 44, that's your prime years. That's you building up yourself. That's you building up your business, you building up your career, you building up whatever. And then 44 to 66 is just leaving it on autopilot. You've done the hard work and now you're raking in the profits. And then from 66 to 88, you're retiring and you're enjoying and you're, pre- you're essentially preparing to exit the world, right? Yeah. And here's why I don't understand. Like people on average retire with like two, $300,000 in their bank account, yet they have dreams of going to Bali and traveling the world on private jets and driving Lamborghinis. And I'm completely okay with people setting goals and then reaching them. But you're setting, I hear goals like this all the time. I want to drive a Lamborghini. I want to go to Bali, but you're doing the actions that will never get you there, right? You're working $64,000 a year job trying to pay $85,000 like debt down. Like that's not going to get you there. And with $300,000 when you retire at 66, God help you if you have cancer or you get into a car accident or something, that $300,000 rainy day fund is going away real quick and you're not going to live a good end of your life. Not to mention that, you know, when you're 66, your dick doesn't get hard anymore either. Like, you know, your, your marriage sucks. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not fun. You're old and saggy. You, you barely can walk up the stairs. You'd much rather enjoy your life from 22, 44, 44, 66. Live your entire life like you want to live it. And then when you're 66, you can look back and be like, you know what? I lived a pretty damn good life. Yeah, dude, that's the truth, man. And even with interest rates, like you pay, you have 84,000 paying debt, like, that's not 84000 to stay, you know, it's going to yeah, keep interest. Like you're paying that and the, you, that's not even a guarantee for a job. Like I'll leave you guys one thing just to think about college, right? Like 30 years ago, going to college made sense because it guaranteed you a job and it guaranteed you to be able to pay off that debt, right? In today's world, I don't know what the like percentage rate is, but it's definitely not guaranteed. Getting a college degree doesn't mean shit. Like yeah. it doesn't guarantee you. And the way I put it like this is, Imagine if you go to a Mercedes-Benz dealership and you get a Mercedes E-Class. That's a $50,000 car. Uh, maybe get the S-Class, $80,000, $100,000 car. That's roughly around how much college costs, right? Do you trust an 18-year-old three months ago needed a pass to go wipe his own ass and go to a bathroom? Like, you know, literally three months ago, you tell him three months later to make that kind of decision to go buy something at that level. And I'll make an even better analogy, right? You go and spend fifty or $80,000 on a Mercedes-Benz and they deliver it and drop it off in your garage. And the next morning they tell you, they say, when you go start up your car, you have a 71% chance of starting that car up. And if it doesn't start up, it's because it's missing an engine. We're not going to refund you. That's what college is. Because college oh is spend $80,000 thinking for something that you're going to get working. And then you know what? It doesn't work too bad. You still have to pay $80,000. Dude, that is the truth. Right? That, and that's like, it's... That's why I dropped out. I don't like, I think college has its like place in our society. I think college is important. I think education is important. I just don't think the current decision-making leading up to going to college is right. And people don't understand that. People think that they're, they're just letting the society make a decision for you when you can easily have the resources to take the action into your own hands, whether or not you want to do social media or real estate or crypto or whatever. Right. But you know, people, it's a default. They just want to spend four more years of partying, drinking, having fun. Cause that's the default thing that everybody does. Dude, dude, I love you brought that up too. Cause like, especially where, where I'm from, bro, it's like, so many people are undecided that like, that's the only thing to do, you know? And like people, I feel like for us and like, for me, like learning from time, learning from all these people, it's like, people just aren't like opened up to new opportunities because the school system doesn't even fathom bringing up those topics, which is like the topics that can help you get to where you want to go. You know, credit is the biggest example. Like I'm doing credit right now. I don't know anybody that graduates high school or graduates like college that knows how to just take credit into their own hand. I don't know people that can take out a mortgage, how to buy a car, how to like, you know, 
the most basic thing, how to file your taxes. Like I know so many people, the most basic tax form, W-2, you should be able to do that. I know so many people that don't even know how to do that. That's not even getting into advanced stuff. That's just like the most basic tax form. There's yeah. hundreds, thousands of tax forms out there that like, you know, that essentially it's what we should, we need because the government asks us to pay these taxes, but we graduate high school not knowing how to do that. But Hey, I know what an isosceles triangle looks like. And you know, I know what physics, like whatever formula I learned in physics, or actually I don't, cause I, I lose that information three weeks after I take the test anyway. So yeah. you know, I end up leaving school with nothing, right? You take the midterm and like three, I guarantee you go to college and you ask anybody at like three days after the final, if they can retake that test and still get the same score, I promise you they can't. Because they're not, they're not learning information in a way that's retained in their head. They're learning re- information because they're just cramming and cramming and cramming. Yeah. Like, I can go take a corporate finance class right now and pass it because I did corporate finance, like, for my own company for three months. And I knew that if I was going to fail corporate finance, my company's going under. So, like, yeah. I had to do it in the real world. And that is knowledge that I retained. I retain credit because I did it every single day, not yeah. because I memorized it for a test, right? I didn't memorize it. If I, if I, took, if I learned about credit in a, in a college course, I probably would have forgot it three days after a midterm. Yeah. Dude, and I love that you say that too because like, I'm still in high school and it's like, it is, dude, it's, it's the truth, man. Like, I'm taking all these physics tests and like, just I'm taking them, but it's like, and even like the fact that like, it's information that is literally two seconds away from Google. Like, right. Like, that it's a factual information point that like isn't so much relevant to a, a physical trait or skill that act, is actually applicable to what you're doing. Yep, yep. Teach people how to learn. Teach people how to motivate themselves. Yeah. Teach people how to make decisions in life. That's stuff that's important, right? But people leave school just as another Alexa or Siri. I have a Siri over there, and she can answer any question that like you know you're asking your your kids to memorize. Like I ask Siri like what what like what formula is for like gravity or something, and they'll pull up Wolfram Alpha, and I'll get an answer and like. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard that before. I don't want to be a, a Siri. <laughs> I don't want to be a Siri. I can buy Siri. Siri cost me $200 to buy the new home pods or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, Siri's on my phone. Like, it's Siri's like worthless. Like, you know, you don't want to be worthless. Don't be expendable in today's society because that's not something you want to be. Um, that's how you, you know, that's how you become nothing. And I don't think you guys want to be nothing. For sure, man. Well, dude. We just dropped some fire. I'm sure a lot of people took some golden nuggets out of that, man. And like I said earlier, all of Steven's links to everything, social media company, websites will all be done below. But Steven, where's like the best place for people to, if they want to get in touch with you or ask you a question on social media? Uh, best way, uh, I check my Instagram DMs almost every day and I check Snapchat often. So if you don't see, if I don't reply, just keep sending stuff in because like, you know, it will get like pushed down. Um, just keep sending stuff in. I open in at least four or five times a day. So I'll eventually at one point we'll be able to see your message and leaving comments in my posts. That's also another thing. Um, I always see Casey leaving comments in my on my posts and I always see him there. So, you know, that's the best way to reach me. Well, cool, man. Well, everyone listening, appreciate you tuning in to the Rise of the Young podcast. Make sure you drop a review, share it with a friend. I'm sure a lot of you listening that are young weren't too familiar with credit and the tips and tricks that Steven talked about. So make sure to share it with someone that could actually value from this, whether that be your parents, your brother, your sister, your aunts, your uncles, whoever, because credit is something that I feel like, and I'm sure you would agree, that isn't talked about enough in society. So that being said, everyone, I appreciate you tuning in to the Rise of Young podcast, and I will catch you guys on the next episode.